Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career and life forward. My guest today is String Ewan, video content creator, producer, String Story Media. And String is a curious geek of the future. We'll talk about the future because she is a day ahead of me right now. Uh, And online, she's known as String Story, where she threads the dots of communication and technology. She is a global citizen, having visited over three continents and 20 cities. And she brings all that inside love and passion and culture to life in everything that she does. But what I love most is she's an incredible storyteller and video creator who not just brings her life to fans, but teaches them how to do it. She's an enabler and she's a teacher and that's so what's amazing. And we'll get to that and a ton more. And I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. String, welcome to the podcast. Can I show you my cup? You could show me your cup. I feel like I'm cheating on fried chicken because, you know, like chicken nuggets. It's a nugget. Yeah, it's a nugget. I love nuggets, and we'll and we'll get to the we'll get to the fried chicken story in a little bit because I definitely want to hear the origins of that. But for any of my any of my listeners who do not know you, why don't you just quickly bring us up to speed and tell us how you got from where you were to where you are today? So my latest win, big win, is that I got pre-seed funding to uh, start up my own startup called The Trusted Voice helping experts build personal brand online because it's all about your expertise and knowledge and how do you monetize that? But how do you future-proof and market yourself better? That's, and working backwards, uh, it's because like, um, one of the reasons I got money is because I (laughs) got funded is because I got uh, been in the industry or personal branding and marketing for the last 10 years. uh, And uh, I won, uh, I was recognized for top voice on LinkedIn three times. Just to contextualize it, I'm like the top 300 uh, LinkedIn creator on LinkedIn because I treat my profile like a channel, like a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So I'm the trusted guide for personal branding and marketing. And I help other experts build their brand online. Uh, And I've been, you know, always been an innovator and a creator. And if I don't create, I feel like my life is going to die or it will end. So that I'm um, that dramatic. Yes. It's in, really it's in it. your blood. It's in your veins. You got to be putting it out there. And it's interesting you say that too, because with this whole crisis going on, I found a lot of new time on my hands and I've gone through, uh, I don't want to call it a, res- a renaissance, but I call it a kind of a, a second phase right. of my content journey where I'm really doubling down on my content and just recording everything and chopping it up and, you know, going through the whole Gary Vee method, uh, the school that I come from. Um, but I want to talk about your actual LinkedIn journey. You know, you talk a lot about a few things like imposter syndrome and finding your voice. Um, and you found your voice, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, how you started on Snap and Meerkat and Blab. How did you take it from those platforms over to LinkedIn? How did you, you know, really find LinkedIn? Well, uh, actually, LinkedIn found me. So Meerkat was great because it was like, if Meerkat um, was around, I'd probably be like more famous now. <laughs> it was a funny way because like Periscope made a lot of people YouTubers and yep. transition better. And I actually monetize really quickly on Meerkat, like hooking it up with Bitcoin at the time. And Bitcoin mm-hmm. was like worth 200 US dollars. Now it's worth oh, yeah. 10K. I wish I had one Bitcoin. Just one, one, one Bitcoin. Just, Just one, one little Bitcoin. one I could, I could put in my virtual pocket. 
Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I've always been um, able to communicate complex technology things in simple terms. And I've been able to, and on Mucat, I did three things. Build a community, create cadence with content, build a channel, and comment like crazy. Or four things. And I've repeated that format from every channel. Like on Snapchat, won awards for it, help other channels build onto it. But I realized within six months, it wasn't a good channel to monetize because I was talking to uh, businesses about it and talk about other influencers about it. So it was a good networking tool, but it wasn't a great tool to monetize. But, right. So the day that I want to switch over to Instagram, because I saw the rise of Instagram with Instagram stories mm-hmm. um, and a lot of other things, like I just felt like it was a good platform to transition to was the day that LinkedIn knocked on my door like this stream. I love your content. Yeah, I would love for you to be one of the early users and adopters and beta users for LinkedIn video. So I was one of the like the OGs on LinkedIn video. And since then, like, um, I brought my like, flair, creativity, channel, commenting, YouTube style kind of like channel making style onto LinkedIn, because it's, you know, a lot of people are professionals and experts are not content creators. So I stood out and yeah, I was just Go about ahead. to say there's a, there's a big difference there between the ability to create and then the actual art of creating. And I think that's what makes you different is because you're able to combine the two. You're able to create the content, but also show people how to do it the right way. And also I'm a marketer. So like, I just like loved it. So I've been able to optimize LinkedIn and just growth hack it. Because, you know, that's what I do. I like grow audiences on different channels. And so I ha- and when I noticed that I went viral on LinkedIn, uh, I doubled down. I went. I switched to branding. Made myself recognizable. Um, follow really strong, active call to actions. Have conversations in my posts, as you could tell, and uh, you know, and use different tactics. And now, like I help other people do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen tremendous growth. I mean, I've been on LinkedIn since 2006. And I, you know, as a student of social marketing, uh, it's been incredible to see the, the, the growth of LinkedIn and the activity and how people are using it in the last, you know, two to three years. And I personally believe it happened uh, for a couple of reasons. One is the explosion of video, right? And if you take the video creators and you take the, you know, the attention going from, you know, all those platforms, and now they're going to LinkedIn, they're marketing to LinkedIn, because that's where really the best organic reach is. Yeah, and only been on LinkedIn for three years. And I and I remember like day one, like, hey, I know how LinkedIn works. Want to talk to me? Like I got access to videos. So I was able to like monetize. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, that your knowledge is power. Your knowledge is expertise. And in the time of this crisis right now, your expertise is more needed than ever. But Absolutely. is it relevant? Are you online? Are you prepared to be online? Is, does it work like are you online? Is your business online? Absolutely. Think about that. Coincidentally, I'm wearing my, my LinkedIn shirt. I'm actually, I didn't even plan on this today. This is a, a LinkedIn shirt from Talent Connect in, in Dallas. I don't know if I sent you the link. And I want to talk about my story. Well, I don't want to, I'll, I'll send you a link Please to my do. story with, with Gary V. I'll send that to you afterwards. I used to work for Gary. Uh, so someone who's, you know, dear and near to me. Um, but I want to talk about your million dollar investment and, and, and what that's all about and kind of how it all ties together. Would you mind sharing that story with our audience? What do you mean by the million dollars? Like, I just feel like if you start becoming a media company, you're investing yourself and I put a big check mark on it. And I feel like if you start becoming a media company, that's like a million dollar investment. 
And personal branding is also like a million dollar investment. So it's like putting money, even if it's an invisible check, I know that in the long run, the more that I build my brand up, which is like, I know you love Gary Vee and I will, like, I feel like I graduated from Gary Vee's like school fort. He also says like, uh, promote your story, tell your story, bring people along in your journey and people, he calls it document, but I say it's yep. your journey because you grow and become better. And the biggest favor that you could do for people who are watching you is to be better and grow and teach others um, and 100%. save them time. Cause like my story from, um, that's why people ask like one of the biggest question is like, what's your story? They want to hear themselves in your story so they could like start and figure out how to do better on themselves. They want to be inspired and they want, they do want to be motivated and people love that type of content and they also want to be entertained. So you have to be mindful of, uh, you know, the yeah. quality. And, you know, I think there's definitely something to it when everyone's like, listen, if you feel like you have a story to tell, put it out there. Don't always worry about it being perfect uh, and finding your own content journey of what you feel comfortable with from a production standpoint, how much vulnerability, how much you share. But I want to talk about something. I want to rewind, um, you know, a couple of minutes. Okay. I want to talk about, something it's an expression it's a term that everyone's throwing a lot around lately personal branding right and everyone has their own definition i'd love to hear your definition strength well like i have like my own framework called the seven b's and i think it's because like everyone says it's like you walking the door it's like you saying you know uh like what do people say about you when you're not there but i have a better version because it's called the seven b's because people kept on asking the same thing as well it's your vision your values your Vogue, which is a German word for folks. It's like, who are the people that you're serving? Your vi your value visuals, like my fried chicken. What is your visuals? Is it your big glasses? Is it the, like your American accent? Um, <laughs> or your New Yorker accent? Is it, uh, you know, your voice? What is the key message you want to convey? The tone, even our like voice is a DNA. Podcasters, it's all about their voice, right? Uh, like, and validation. What is your key metrics of success? And victory, how do you monetize all this? I love it. That's absolutely awesome. And, and talk about personal branding too. I mean, you changed your, I don't know if you change it legally, whatever, but you, 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 you go by string now and you embrace string as your online, you know, name. And I love being awesomely authentic. Did yes. I, did I say that right? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, please, please correct me and elaborate a little bit where this yeah, all come um, from. I'm like, it actually, uh, uh, you know, authenticity is one of like it takes a while because it's authentic to say it it's and but the concept is the same right it's like how do you be yourself and i realized that it's not about like wearing a mask of persona it's awkwardly embracing yourself and that's the quirks and, and truthfully sometimes like i could be super confident in things but i could be super awkward in things as well <laughs> i feel like we're kindred spirits here I, I feel like sometimes I really like I'm trying to be myself and I feel like only three people in the world kind of get me and laugh at me and I really don't care. And if yeah. you like it, you like it. And I'm not going to try to force myself into being something that I'm not. And you know what, if it, if it equates to having three fans, that's fine. If it equates to 3 million, that's also great, but I'm going to, I'm just going to be myself. Right. Yeah. And I think personal branding is like aligning with your values the most. Like if we do something, it's like our moral compass. If we do something against what we believe in, we go feel like crap and that energy resonates. Do you think that, and, and I'm kind of coming at this from left field here, do you think that with everybody kind of pushing content and we'll talk about LinkedIn specifically, there's a lot of people out there saying you must do this, you should do this, you need to do that. You think it's kind of 
pushing people into a direction of not being authentic because they feel like they have to put content out there and they don't know what to say or how to be or really to, to communicate their true self? Do you think there's a negative implication here? Well, like, if, like I always say, like, if they go against their grain and they say they're this, like, I'm a vegan, but they eat meat. Mm. Like, little, isn't little that like a disconnect? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and we do do mistakes and it's just like utterly meaning it. But there's a reason why brands want to work with you or companies want to work with you because they know that you're going to be that person in three months time or six months time or one year. Yeah. It's that consistency or they follow your journey. So throughoutly they know that what you represent because they want to work with you. So that's why like, I tend to work with like Lenovo brands because they know that I'm going to be consistent two years, one year, because like I have this projector path of commitment and conviction. Yeah, you hit on a word that really resonates with me and, and a word that I think helps me in my success is, is, uh, is commitment and continuity, right? Is you have to be committed to the craft. You have to put yourself out there consistently. You have to be putting out videos. You have to put your face out there. Um, but not everyone has the time for that. Does someone really, like how committed does someone have to be uh, to really push the needle, right? Is well, it every oh, day? Like you and I, like, like I'm a, like almost every day, but even I ease down a little bit because like it's, if you're, it depends on what maturity level of your business you are and I'm pushing content every day, but it's not um, outwardly. It's actually inwardly on my products and my business and uh, developing products for my clients or my customers and stuff. And I notice that they're also busy business owners. So being a full-time creator is a privilege. Right. And not and everyone it, has that time. Yeah, I'm saying that not everyone has that time and you have to, you kind of have to figure out what works for you. And I've read that your vision is, quote, increasing creative vibes around the world. Do you really think that there's not enough creative vibes? I think there's, you know, such a tremendous amount of creative, you know, creativity. And I see it all around me in different forms, different ages and anything. Um, what, what, what's your vision to make vibes stronger? Well, like you and I probably believe in creativity. So we make sure that we're surrounded by creativity, whether it be creative people who they believe in their passion, following their passion. So I, we live in our own little bubble. Yeah. And I realize no, like, even now I'm like working online and I realize like, we're not normal. And I think we're normal everyday people, but I realize right. that I have more skill sets than most people. And when they ask me things, like I totally get them. And when I talk to like really experts that I don't get, they still have time for me because I'm super curious. Um, and I feel like I'm in a position of like, uh, of a power or like, cause like my parents came from a poor background. They were refugees and technically I should be, you know, um, live, continue living in so social low economic background or like space, but I broke through that to create my own path and career path. So I realized like what I've done is not normal. So I just embrace that I'm awkward person that's doing my own thing because I believe that if once I um, find my passion and my vision and my like purpose for the world, like I feel like that's what people need. It's like finding it. and aligning their creativity. So vibes for me is like aligning their passion and their belief, their core belief to what we're doing. Because so we, we work all the time. So we may as well do something that we really utterly believe in. Absolutely. And I, and I couldn't agree more with you. And, and it's pretty awesome that you work with all these big, big brands. Um, and, I, and I hear you and see you speaking about brand clarity. You help brands find their, their clarity there. How would you define brand clarity? I mean, is it, 
Is it something that you could feel, that you could touch, that you could taste? Is it an emotion? What is brand clarity? I had one person who joined the Trusted Voice as a member, uh, the Trusted Circle, and he only completed one of the seven Bs, which means to me that he needed a lot of working clarity. Mm. And if you know your vision and you, I use like, it's great because like I use it as like a, a foundation and a, uh, also a framework to say like, oh, are they consistent with their language? Is the vision threaded throughout the whole V's? Does like, is it aligned? Do they get it? Right. And that's what clarity is. It's just like that alignment. The more aligned with the seven V's are, the more like they're know themselves and how can it's for me, it's not about like telling them how to create content. It's telling their voice. So they don't steer past their moral compass and their value. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's about, it's about being aligned and having a roadmap or, and having a compass to say, am I going down the right path? Is everything tying back? Is everything working, you know, in conjunction with each other? I want to shift gears for a little bit. Um, and you talk about the 10 fears that we need to stay away from. How would you elaborate the fear of the unknown? That's, that's one that, that I kind of, it kind of piques my interest, the fear of the unknown. Let's contextualize it. We're living in an economic crisis right now. Everyone's in lockdown. The Crazy. unknown is super scary. So how do we like enable ourselves or make sure that we feel like we know or have that sense of conviction on certainty? So the unknown is because we're not certain. How do we, like, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But yeah. we can control the environment that we're in, wherever like upskilling ourselves, making or understanding your values. I feel like it's um, having internal conversations with yourself and time to yourself because we lead previously, we lead so many like a busy life that we never had time to talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's that's really interesting, too. And, I, and another recent post that kind of stood out to me, I mean, I, I dug in. I, I went back into the, the string way back files and you talk about how people are, are using the term want in a, in a lazy way, right? And, and, and wanting something and not really, you know, taking the initiative on it. And it kind of stuck out to me because I'm like, I never really thought about that. I never really thought about people the way they use the word want. Um, let's, let's elaborate on that <laughs> a little bit. What's, what's, your, what's your love-hate relationship with the word want? It's not that I didn't hate it. Like maybe I'm <laughs> stoic about it. I just think that like you words have power and conviction and that's mm -hmm. what i mean by clarity as well like the, you hear people like this is my goals uh, i want this like see the difference my goals is to eat fried chicken and be healthy right i want to eat fried be healthy uh, i'm going to be healthy this is what i'm going to do yeah totally see those, so like differences in those like three sentences <laughs> i just want to yeah. fried chicken there <laughs> just yeah so it's <laughs> So let's, I mean, we have to get to it. Every podcast you do, I need to hear this story. You know, what is your relation and obsession with fried chicken? What's the story here? It's like branding, right? It's visuals. Like, mm -hmm. I think a great metaphor, have you, Inception is a good one. Inception. Yes. Yeah. Inception is a good one because it's like branding as well. You McDonald's have like seeded like nostalgia and every time I go and eat a chicken nugget, I feel good. So I know that's consistent, right? Like that's the branding of McDonald's, but also like you have to have your own visual uh, memory because like everyone's going to forget the lead. Remember everyone leads so many busy lives. What can you do to help them trigger you so they can think about you? Hmm. So fried yeah, chicken is that. Do you really love fried chicken though specifically? Yes. I organize there... fried chicken parties. So you're the home, you're the homemade type. 
versus no i haven't cooked or fried a fried chicken mm. for the last four years everyone does it for me <laughs> yeah so you're curating you're, you're a fried chicken dj you're eating other people's chickens you're not producing your own chicken so to speak if i want to use the music production analogy um where in the world have you had the best fried chicken if i'm taking out any of your immediate local friends group where in the world have you had the best fried chicken well like um I actually say like my friend is a caterer and she does the mo like, moist, delicious fried chicken better than KFC. And they taste What's good KFC the next day. I don't think KFC yes. is the best. I think there's a lot of places in New York that have some pretty badass fried chicken. Yes. And I feel like I'm, I like fried chicken fusion lately because, or winglets, because they're easy to eat. Cause you're the just boneless, yeah. 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 Or even boneless and you just like know things. Uh, or... <laughs> You have to say, like, Korean fried chicken and beer is probably the, like, the safe bet for me. There's nothing, like, Korean fried chicken seems to be, like, hit the spot for me more than KFC. Yeah, there's, uh, in, in Koreatown here in New York, I mean, hopefully when it opens back up and next time you're there, we know some great, have you been to K-Town in, in, in New York here? Yes, but I didn't eat, did I eat fried chicken? Yes, I did. <laughs> Someone yeah. took me to eat fried chicken in K-Town. Oh, man, they have some great, they have some great spots here, but we certainly digress. I want to talk, I want to move the, the conversation back into content a little bit. And there's, yeah. there's kind of this, I don't know if it's a battle because I, I, it's kind of hard for me to kind of get my head around the concept of quality versus quantity. I, I think there's a balance there. I think that, you know, some people, like even Gary Vee says it too sometimes. It's like, just get it out there, get it out there, get it out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. But I think there, there, there really does have to be a, a certain quality level that's in line with your brand standards that people expect, right? I mean, listen, you could throw a curveball and it could be a piece of shit content and it actually resonates really well or it goes viral. Mm -hmm. But there has to be that balance there. What's your approach to quality versus quantity? Um, with your like a first time mom, I don't expect you to be a great production person or creator. You're like experimenting. But what you need to do is like use that time to experiment and focus on developing the cadence and the habits and finding your voice. So quality is probably uh, if you have high standards, the imperfection will stop you from making things. But if you're like, but if you've been doing it for a couple of years, I expect your standards to be a lot better than most. Yeah, um, and, and it, it takes effort. It takes time and it takes experimenting. Yes. Um, and um, I guess like, like I found my own style and I even like taught like um, crappy style to other people. Not, it's not that it's crappy. It's just like giving them basic frameworks of what works and what doesn't work. But even now, like I'm moving my quality of production higher because I want to like grow my YouTube channel and that has a different cadence and production level. And I realized that I can't push low quality content there because the standards are different. Plus like my like standards is also different. Like I expected um, to grow quality and have develop it. It's more about like finding the format on YouTube and having the production to back it up. And I realized like the, the production that I'm doing is quite high. So I'm just like pushing that cadence. And yeah. on LinkedIn, it's all about the feed experience. So it's like, how do you find that, you know, the quality and the quantity? And it's just like for first timers, like I say, like, uh, you know, once a week is just minimum. But yeah, minimum. Just minimum. Barely, Barely, Barely. right? But it, it doesn't, uh, now we're competing with other people who are talking about remote work, who are creating content. And that's a part. So how do you make sure that your content hits the spot? and get the most views compared to someone who's not doing it. And it's actually through comments. Commenting, if you could get people to comment with a, like, not a passive call to action, like, give me your thoughts, 
like I'd like to hear your thoughts please like it's like saying oh please please I want you to like give me your thoughts and stuff but I don't think it's actually active it's like comment below if you want to uh, this link or comment do you want as many engagement as possible so you want to train people to have conversations in your post as well right. so I have to say like commenting is probably the easiest way to show your expertise and add value I agree and um, in terms of like quality and content uh, I'd say like I just think it depends on what level you are if you're starting out focus on like finding your voice if you're moving out like, and you feel like content is like your thing and everyone has their own content in there, focus on like doubling down and crafting it. Cause like, you know, there's going to be a lot of content out there, but how mm-hmm. do you stand out? It's finding your own voice, being memorable, being consumable, like consumption, you know, like make sure your content is consumable. Yeah. But it's so, it's so interesting too, because if, I mean, listen, I don't want to go too far down the road of what's good content and what's bad content. Cause that's subjective. Right. Yes, and we can talk about LinkedIn content all the time because what I've learned is, and, and I kind of put myself in a bad place sometimes because I think that content always has to add value, but value is subjective too, because what's valuable to you may not be valuable to me and, and vice versa. And the same thing with your audience. So I think that there's a lot of people out there that are pandering to their audience by putting out content, which some people call fluff and they're doing it just for the engagement. But I think there's really a balance there where you, where if you, because some people like the fluff. Some people, all they want to do is come on LinkedIn and they want to be, they want to be, you know, entertained. They don't really give a shit if it's too deep or, you know, too educational or anything. They want that. So you have to kind of find that balance. But I think it kind of all boils down to being authentic with your intentions, yes. right? That you're, that you're not just putting it out there for the likes and the engagement. There's a fine line there, right? Well, like as a marketer, I play games all the time to see what works. Me too. And I'm a troll. I, I, <laughs> you troll. I troll, <laughs> but like sometimes I troll. Are you a nice troll like, with like cool hair? Like, you know, those trolls? No, are... the trolls like I do is just like, I wanted to throw more fried chicken bones at people who trolled me back. Oh yeah. I like, so you, you troll the trolls. Yes. Uh, but it's also like, it's just interesting because people read comments. So you don't want to be like an asshole. You can't, that's your brand and it lives yeah. forever. Yes. And a lot of times it's also PR. Don't let your temper get away from you. You have to bite. Yes. Don't be emotional. It's hard because, you know, we take things personal sometimes. And like, how many many times has a troll been a first connection? They're always like third connections, right? It's never, you know, and that's for a reason. They hide, they lurk, they hide in the shadows and they come out. I got trolled the other day so bad on a Gary Vee post and it was something so obscure. And you know what? Like, I I said, you know what? There's no point in me engaging with this person. And I just deleted it. You know what I mean? It wasn't even worth it. It's, there's times that it's not worth it because that's, that's your brand. But I want to go back to talking about newbies, how to kind of help them. How do you advise people coming on board to find their voice and find their niche? Well, um, you know, for video, we're just going to use video example. And I'm going Please. for, and there's two types. Like there's one who feel like they have to over, it's like hard to like put a video on for them for some reason. Mm. But if you contextualize it, it's reworking that mindset really. I bet you you probably like speak a lot, like you done like you know. Remember the first time you did your speaking gig? How scary was it? Oh yeah. Remember, t- remember the first time you did your podcast? How scary was it? <laughs> yeah. Now it's second nature. Moment? Yeah. 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 And remember like the first post you wrote? How crap was it? I mean, that was thirteen years ago. I can't tell you that one, but now I literally yeah. do them like right before I go to bed, and they're they're like my best post ever. Yeah. Yes. 
But like, like, but I'm just saying like the first time that you do things, like don't expect it to be like awesome. But just remember that's like an achievement in itself. And after that, it's going to be easy for you. You will know if you like it or not. But you also don't give up. Do you think people give up easily because they don't see, you know, engagement, they don't see eyeballs and they see like all these big content creators who, listen, you don't know other people's content stories. You don't know other people's journeys and you cannot compare yourself to others. They don't know. It's kind of like that iceberg analogy string, right? Like they, they don't know, they only see the tip of the iceberg and they don't see underwater all that hard work that it took to get to that point. Yes, totally. And I think that's because like people aspire to be like that awesome. And right, out, right them, away. Yes. Because like, you know, that's what I mean, like we live in the world or previously we lived in the world of self-gratification and they don't want to do the work. They don't want to mm-hmm. like put in the time. They don't want to invest in themselves. So that means like they had the wrong mindset in the first place. What do you think about these people on LinkedIn that are, that are selling, you know, they literally are, they're selling engagement. They're selling cheats to get to the top. And, you know, all of a sudden these people go, you know, within six months, they have like 30,000 contacts and followers, but it's all through these kind of cheat methods. And then they're kind of claiming to be an authority. I'm seeing that on LinkedIn now. And I think it's setting a really poor standard um, for newbies coming on the platform. Yeah. And they will teach them bad habits. Um, Unfortunately, like, like uh, we've been both in the game and long enough to know that like these channels won't last. So uh, I've just focused on my own lane and think about the long-term game. Yeah. I want to talk about your LinkedIn growth. Cause uh, you know, you went from like zero to 30,000 in 14 months through, you know, real solid growth and engagement and all those points. But you, but you do say you, you really wanted to be mindful of who you connected with, right? It wasn't every Tom, Dick and Harry who wanted to connect and who wanted to be the post there. But, you know, how do you value connections at scale? Because how do you find that balance? Because, listen, it, it's not that hard to sit there all day and connect with 300 people a day. And soon enough, you get to that number. But you want to do it in, in, a, in a mindful way and have meaningful connections. How do you find that balance? So contextualize, I have 38,000 followers. Um, my subscribers, like, I think that's new latest growth um, for my newsletter. I'm about 8K. And I only, like, started actively four months ago. But, um, and uh, and and only have less than five thousand connections, first connections, right? And um, like that kind of shows like my content resonates, right? But I still think like LinkedIn's like following is not that great compared to first connections because your first connections actually see your content first, right? So you have to make sure be mindful of like who engages with your post, and you, so like my real numbers in many ways is like almost five thousand. And then again, it goes down to like the 1% who engage in your post. So I think I have like 0.6 in terms of engagement. So I'm lucky to like to hit 1% every time I hit post. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things too, where I I value more and and, and over the last couple of months, because I've really upped my content game and my engagement and switching it up a little bit. And that tribe is really forming those fanatics, those people that are always following your content and engaging. And it's, it's, it's really fascinating um, to work. I want to shift gears again. Um, You're a very confident speaker. You know, you're out there, you're doing public speaking Well, pausing for now. Um, In your opinion, you're also a fantastic writer. Right. So what's more in demand right now these days? Is it good writing skills or good public speaking skills? Or do you not have to choose between the two of them? It's all about like every time I write, I think about the message. Every time I speak, it's like, who are, am I competing against? How do I make sure my message clears? 
because I don't want like to be popular with everyone. I just want that five people to come to me and they're relevant to what I have to say. And it's the same thing with connections. Like who are the people that you want to like work business with? Mm-hmm. Who do you want to serve? You know, if you want to be super broad and famous, you're on the wrong game. LinkedIn is about business. So the more specific that you know who you want to serve and how you could add value in that industry, that's one way of like building your expertise and showing your authority. So mm. for me, I'm always about the authority. I'm not like, like people think I'm a content creator, but I think they chose me as a content creator because I'm an authority. Like I'm an expert pushing the boundaries and understanding how to do things properly and then sharing that knowledge. Yeah, you hit a really interesting point there. It's a, it's authority too. And I think that you really need to establish your social your authority through social proof. You can't just go on there and say, I am an expert at LinkedIn. I am a LinkedIn guru. It's funny. You looked at LinkedIn, some LinkedIn gurus and they literally have like 3,000 followers and you look at their page and it's garbage and you're like, why are you calling yourself an authority? And, and the same thing with so many other professions there that you really have to you know, establish yourself. And I think that's one of the problems with LinkedIn that like, it's a very easy platform for initial self-authority, like you know, calling yourself something like I am an influencer, I am a guru. But you know, where the rubber hits the road is in the social proof, really seeing you know, what you do and, and how you do it, right? Yes. And I think that's like a big indicator of who has ego or who doesn't have ego and just doing their shit. And that's one thing I really like about you. I mean, there's no ego, right? It's energy and it's enthusiasm and it's authenticity. Um, what does that word authenticity mean to you? Like what, like, how, how does that sit in your heart? How do you feel, you know, how do you just like embrace that word? You're like truly just being, um, don't give a shit about everyone. Oh, when you know your values and what you represent in the world, that's being authentic. It's also been, remember authentic, which like my friend Jay and I has combined together. It's like being authentic is like being enabling you to like um, embrace your weird shit and your good shit. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's awesome. And I do want to touch on, on the current climate, the current situation in the world, but a little bit different spin on it. Right. I mean, everything's moving remote. Everything's online right now. And it's creating a very fast universe of e-learning and things happening online. And I see another kind of renaissance of content creation because everyone's home right now and they're able to do, um, you, you, you know, a lot more. Uh, how are you kind of urging people to make the best out of their, you know, home spaces where they may not be in, you know, in an ideal situation? Um, first, you have the most powerful tool here, which yeah. is your smartphone. Yes. And for those here? listening, she's holding up her phone. Yeah, it's black. I have black, so that's my phone. And this camera here and that camera at the front is more powerful than you realize. And there's also a voice recorder. Mm-hmm. So you can like train yourself to be a content creator now. It's, yeah. it's actually the time to upskill. Yes, upskilling, absolutely. There's so much learning out there and you could learn from people like yourself too. And we're not even talking about formal schooling. I mean, you could literally just be a student um, of the craft here. So String, one of the things that I like to do on every one of my episodes at the end is I like to ask every single one of my guests the same kind of series of questions because that puts things in perspective. And it gives me such a wealth. I could go back 86 episodes and I could look at all these experts all these professionals like yourselves and get everyone's kind of story there. And I think what I'm going to do is right when I get to episode like 100, I'm going to put them all together into like a, a mini movie. I'm going to do some cool stuff with it. I'm, I'm working on it. So here we go. What is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day? 
build habits. I love it. And what, what, what are some of your bad habits that you're looking to break? Uh, not drinking water every day. You don't drink enough water or there's some days you don't drink any water? Oh, I don't drink enough water and I feel like I need to hydrate more. Which is the best okay, way to like you can have some of mine coronavirus. Here. Thank you. Oh, don't share my don't share my water. <laughs> you know, virtually give it to me. I think we yeah. need to hydrate, and I sometimes I work so much, like I'm in my own space, that I forget to look after myself. Well, that's important. Self care is another. I don't even want to call it a buzzword. I think it, I think self care really means just taking care of yourself. Said another way, right? I think we've been doing it for a while, and someone kind of coined it, and they're kind of running with, "You must take self care." I'm like, all right, I think I think. <laughs> Right. Takes plenty of self-care. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, accomplishments and I think it's okay to toot your own horn every once in a while. There's a fine line between, you know, talking about your accomplishments and humble bragging, but you know, to, to, to date, what, it, what would you say is your greatest professional accomplishment? What are you most proud of professionally? Being me. I think, I think that's more important because then I realized like when I embrace myself and realize that I do have like um, imposter syndrome and sometimes like I'm my own worst enemy. When I realized I was more me, I feel like I, I feel like I could, could tackle anything, even coronavirus. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And what would you say is your superpower? What do you think that you do better than anyone in this universe? And you can't repeat the same answer from last time. Uh, I was about to say, <laughs> can I do that again? I, I, no um, way. You're not gonna, that doesn't work on this show. I, I, I hold it down. You're, you're uh, not getting off easy. Um, my superpower is definitely increasing vibes. And being curious, yeah. I think. Super curious is probably my number one superpower. I trust my instincts enough and follow my curiosity. Sometimes it had led me bad things, but that made for good stories. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I sometimes like my curiosity, like put me in interesting situations and that still, that made for more interesting stories. And sometimes like my curiosity can enable me to connect with amazing people. I love it. And can I tell you something? Um, being inquisitive, being inquisitive to me is one of the most admirable traits that somebody could have. Being naturally searching for the why, searching for the hows, seeing like what's next, like asking why, how do I get there? What do you do here? What's next? What's behind that door? Right? Like, you know, and I always say like, you know, when I travel with my friends, it's always like, we don't say no to anything. We just try things and we do it. And, you know, when I was younger, we used to get into a lot more trouble, but not these days. <laughs> we have to be careful there. Yeah. And I think we have to say yes, because I usually, like I say no, there's power in saying no, because it means like you control, because there's only 24 hours in the day and we don't even use 24 hours unless you right. use automations. Um, still, like, how do we make most <clears throat> of that time? Because like, it's also considered an investment, right? So I have to, like in the last couple of years, I had to learn how to say no. I used to say yes to everything. Yeah, that's, that's important. I think some people have a problem saying no. They feel like they have to say yes to everything and that's not right. Um, and, and last but not least, right? Um, not every day is fried chicken, sunshine and rainbows for you, right? There's some mm -hmm. days that are not as good as others and you need to really pull yourself up. You need to pull yourself up out of a, a place that may be a little bit darker than usual. And other days you're flying on top of the world. Everything is going fucking awesome for strength. What do you look to to pull yourself up when you're down? And what do you look to, to for gratitude? String you in, what is your North Star? My North Star is increased creative vibes but the most simple thing is like when i have a shit day or down in the dumps is just to walk no phones with someone or by myself 
because the act of moving forward is like, like a reminder that everything's okay one step at a time i absolutely love it um string i thank you so much for you taking the time to join me in your morning in my end of day here uh let's definitely stay connected i think that we could find a lot of synergies here uh i love learning from you you inspire me and i want to thank you for that and thank you for joining me on the show today thank you for having me adam awesome and where could folks find you where could they connect with you go on linkedin use hashtags like string theory string story and you could find me because sometimes string and win is hard to find i understand you know foreign names could be like be like a little like a hiccup <laughs> and um but reach out like this is the time there where i'm opening my curiosity again I because we need that in the world and reach out talk to me and as long as you are not defensive but open-minded and come with an open heart and good intention i'm there for you i love it string thank you so much for joining me today Awesome. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please follow us on all the social media channels below. Subscribe, comment, link, network, share. Remember, take your online offline. Thank you for joining us and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care and wash your hands. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.